Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It is always up to speed with Formula One. It is Sunday, December 12th, 2021. Mark Daly and Mark Hamilton here to wrap up the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the climax to an eventful 2021 Formula One World Championship. Mr. H, how the heck are you? Welcome back. Oh, I am fantastic. I was going to say thank you for having me, but I would hope you invite me to the podcast. (laughs) To our own podcast? (laughs) You're always welcome on our show, my friend. Yeah, and you've made me feel very welcome over the course of the last year, so I very much appreciate that. Maybe I've just got my head in the wrong space. Just finished recording an episode of The Racing Pod with Tim Haraney, which is going to drop tomorrow, so we'll make sure we link to that. But I'm doing well, an awful lot better than I was doing this morning at about 6.30 (laughs) a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But before we get to that, I'm doing great. We're settled back in. I'm feeling a lot better. We're now just two weeks away from Christmas, which is amazing. So starting to get into the Christmas spirit. Started cracking open some Christmas movies the last week. You know, uh, I think every year I try to get through some. This year we just watched Gremlins. First time I've seen that in a while. Holds up very well, but an awful lot more gory than I expected. But <laughs> but maybe we can detour away from uh, from my Christmas movie watching feast and talk a little Formula One. Sure, why not? I mean, it's kind of what we do around here, although we've been rightly accused of somewhat getting getting <laughs> off track from, from time to time. But it's, a, it's all good. I, I think maybe that's where our Twitter spaces chats always go so well, because we, we, we roughly usually kind of talk about Formula One, but spaces kind of get gives us the latitude to take it wherever totally. we want. We got to Oh, and we had a great spaces in. today. Oh, that's awesome. I, I I didn't even I'm such a terrible co-host. I didn't even tell you, but a couple of people reached out during the oh, day I see. It's like and that, basically asked they, they basically asked, can we do a spaces chat and yeah. not talk about the championship? <laughs> so in an effort to decompress, we had a really great impromptu, turnout was fantastic, but a Sweet. really great impromptu spaces chat day. So sorry to interject, but I just wanted to reflect on that moment. It was really fun. No, it's, it's all good. And, you know, it, it's funny after it was all said and done, you know, like my, my overwhelming emotion this evening is relief had this dragged on for another two weeks or another month i I don't know if i could have uh, done it i mean it just uh, was getting way too intense and it was getting contentious and you know kind of nasty at times and i i'm just kind of glad that it that it's over and done with maybe (laughs) until we get back to it in march 2022 so obviously a lot of stuff to unpack and let's just quickly go down for a little bit of context go down the top 10 uh final race classification here um and well take it for what it's worth 
I didn't don't even really know who came finished third. Turns out it was Carlos Sainz. Anyways, Max Verstappen winning, Lewis Hamilton second, Carlos Sainz third for Ferrari. Yuki Sonoda fourth in the Alpha Tauri, Pierre Gasly fifth in the second Alpha Tauri, Valtteri Bottas in his final race for Mercedes, sixth Lando Norris seventh for McLaren, eighth and ninth of the tandem of the Alpines, Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon, and Charles Leclerc rounding out the top 10 constructors championship. Uh, Mercedes wins it 613 and a half points compared to 585 and a half points for uh, for Red Bull Drivers Championship, Max Verstappen winning the World Championship, 595.5 points compared to 387.5 points for Lewis Hamilton. And it was obviously not as clear cut as that. So, where do we want to go? Because there is a ton of controversy to talk about here, and we got to break it down at some point, but we, we got to frame it correctly, right? Yeah, I, I do want to add, you made a really great point a couple of minutes ago. Shortly after the race today, I went for a run and the overriding sensation that I had was despite everything that had happened, which we'll talk about, yep. it was this sense of relief. And that's the word I've used a couple of times today that as exciting and, and fun and, and engaging and as competitive as this championship was it had become too much. It was too intense. And I was ready to, I was ready to release and, and walk away and start, starts thinking about 2022. But I think maybe we just go right back to qualifying. And ultimately we went into this race weekend. I think all of the pressure was on Red Bull. I think the pressure was on Max Verstappen. Lewis had <laughs> run off three straight wins. I think we've seen Max Verstappen show unbelievable poise through this run of dominance by, I shouldn't say dominance because Max still finished second in those three races, but this run of Lewis and Mercedes greatness, yep. he puts in a fantastic qualifying lap aided really by that slipstream that was created by Sergio Perez. And we go into the race with those two drivers on the front row. And I should add as well, because Kate called this out on Twitter today. That all season long, I have argued that I don't care who wins as long as the championship goes down to the last race, the last lap. And that's what exactly what, what happened. Now, wish the for, circumstances <laughs> were very different than I think any of us could ever predict it. Oh, sure. But the race set up perfectly. You had Max putting in a fantastic qualifying lap. He takes pole. Yeah. And on the front row, we have Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. And maybe, maybe we take it from there. Okay, before we do, maybe we can have a discussion, maybe the least That was a fantastic preamble. <laughs> well, I just want to get your take uh, just to, before sure. we do that oh, on, on the revamped uh, Yas Marina circuit, because I, I think that when you had such an epic race building, the way that it was all framed, that the, the changes that they made for, to this track for this year, I think really, really worked. I thought that uh, right from the moment we got there, all the way through practice, all the way through qualifying, through the race itself, I think the flow and layout of the new track or the or the revamped Yas Marina is uh, fantastic. I, I think it looks really, really good. It's got a nice flow. They got rid of those really tight and twisty chicanes and whatnot. And I, I think it was awesome. I think it was really, Monumental, really good. Yeah. Monumental difference. And it made me wonder watching the race whether we could see similar relatively low-cost modifications made to other tracks mm -hmm. to improve racing. And you nailed it with that term, flow. And I think you've actually said a couple of great things on this podcast so far. You said relief, which I totally agree with, but <laughs> flow, I also totally agree with it. The flow of the race felt entirely 
different. And I, I yeah. don't know how to describe it, but it was just more comfortable watching the race. And and I think, again, it was because the flow of the race felt different. But I think that these were relatively low-cost improvements that had a monumental impact on the quality of racing. And is it perfect? And is it the best race? track on the calendar? Absolutely not. But I think if I'm a race organizer anywhere else in the world, I now look at this and think, wow, what could we do that is relatively low cost to improve the caliber and quality of racing? Because I think the pressure is going to be on because Mm -hmm. I think what Yoss has shown is, hey, we can tear up the track. We can make some fairly minor modifications, improvement and overhaul the product. And I think that is fantastic but i loved it and i i don't think it was too much i don't think it was too little i think it was just perfect well it's like we saw at barcelona they restored i think it was turns nine and ten at the back of the circuit to its original layout from way back in the day and uh, obviously we saw it with uh with zonfort obviously zonfort hadn't been on the calendar since what 83 or 84 but i mean redesigned in a couple of sections to better suit modern formula one cars and uh, obviously yeah so the, the one we didn't see this year obviously was uh, australia albert park in melbourne and hopefully Hopefully we get to see that next year. I mean, they straightened out some of the sections there. And of course, it'll be a new track, a revamped track, a new car. So that, that'll be interesting to, to see. But the one the one set of people I'm hoping that, uh, that, that maybe took something away from what we saw with the track design today is the people in Jeddah and Saudi, because I think that, that that was obviously a big point of discussion a week ago. And hopefully that they can see, okay, well, look what they did, you know, fairly close by and look at what a drastic change it did. I mean, I think you nailed it perfectly saying, yeah, it's not the best racetrack on the calendar but i think in the format that they have now i think it's reaching probably the the best it's they're maximizing their potential out of the circuit and i actually found myself enjoying watching the race i mean obviously the my heart was in my throat and there was nerves and and i wasn't really cheering for either one of these guys i mean to to be honest i'm more of a ferrari guy than anything else but it was um, it got pretty intense there, but um, uh, glad to see. So okay, so we, we we've got that out of the way. So we're, this is me kind of skirting around the issue. Where where do we want to go? Do we want to go to lap the one? Lamp, lap lap one. one. Okay, fair enough. Great start by Lewis. Max was uh, just did not get off of the line, and it looked uh, early on that uh, through that first um, half a lap that Lewis once again had the superior car. Going back to Jeddah, going back to Qatar, going back to to, to Brazil, he's had the best car over the past uh, two months. I mean, the W12 and the and Mercedes, they've really got that car dialed in. Lewis was driving well over the past two months, and he looked unstoppable. I mean, he he really had the momentum uh, behind him. You go around. Through the hairpin onto that really, really long back straight there into that uh, 90 degree left hand turn. You know what? I thought it was a fair pass by Max. He left his braking really, really late. He kept it between the white lines. Yes, he forced Lewis wide. Lewis did what the only thing he could do. He had two choices either run off onto the runoff area or turn in and cause a collision. And he wasn't going to do that. Did he gain an advantage? Yeah, sure. Absolutely he did. But the big question is does, you know, did he do the right thing? Thing by he, he obviously gained an advantage by how much that to me is the you know the the, the sixty four thousand dollar question because supposedly he gave that 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 advantage gained back by the end of the lap and I, I think that you know that that is the question did he do enough to make to give back the you know the the advantage that he gained so I I don't know what it was in terms of time on Max. 
But I mean, let's be fair. I mean, he was going to, even if Max got him there, he was not going to stay in front of him for 58 odd laps or whatever. Lewis would have got him at, at some point. So it just would have been a temporary thing. But I think where the race control went wrong, where the stewards went wrong, is even if they did not decide to do anything to Lewis, I think that incident, just to say, you know, that they're watching these guys, that it should have either been noted or it should have been, um, you know, no investigation necessary. That would have maybe, I think, just kind of for everybody watching and the two drivers involved, just remind them, you know, we're watching everything that you guys are doing to keep it uh, clean. So that's one thing. And I I think that Red Bull and I think Christian Horner were pretty realistic about it. And I think he said so when he was talking to Crofty and Martin Brundle, I think he pretty much admitted that it was just a foregone conclusion that, that Lewis was going to get Max at some points, even if Max passed him there. But he did make one good point saying, yes, but when you're in the lead, then you can control the race in slightly a different manner. So I know that that's my two cents on it. Be curious to think uh, or to, to hear what you made of that incident. It's funny to think that in the moment, so many of us were thinking that, hey, maybe this race is defined by what happened at turn seven on the first <laughs> lap. And yeah. really, we could probably have done this entire podcast without mentioning it and nobody would have missed it. I, I agree that that Hamilton did absolutely the right thing by bailing. And I wonder if the positions were reversed. You got to wonder, would Max have bailed or would he have he taken the contact and just dealt with the outcome? Because that's maybe, I think, Great sometimes point. where the two of them differ. And I'm not suggesting that Max is a dangerous driver, but he's a, a hard edge driver and he likes to get his elbows out. But yep. I absolutely think Lewis did the right thing. And I think his philosophy this year has very much been that, look, you know what? This is a, it's a marathon thon. It's, it's not a sprint and I'm racing to, I'm live, I'm working to live to race another day, man, I butchered that. But, <laughs> but my point being that he's not looking to compromise his race by making unnecessary contact. And I have to trust. And I was listening to the checkered podcast earlier today, but I have to trust that the stewards had the telemetry to know whether Hamilton lifted off of the throttle yeah. in a way that was sufficient enough to eliminate the delta eliminate that gap between him and and max i think i think where this entire conversation becomes a little bit contentious is absolutely none of us now know after 22 races in this championship what is and isn't allowed in an effort to overtake and, somebody and that's in the, corner. the point i'm glad you brought yes. that up because as soon as that happens I was pissed off, not because I was cheering for Lewis or I was cheering for Max. I was pissed off because they 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 took the cowardly way out. They didn't rule on it after uh, Brazil, and they they just ignored it. And then we had no precedence, you know, to to really okay. Well, what well, what do we do in a similar situation? Fast forward six weeks down the road, we come into Abu Dhabi, we come into Yas, we come into the season championship, you know, deciding race. And we're not even half a lap into it. We come to the same situation again. And, and nobody really knows how to deal with it. And of course, you know, Red Bull's on the radio right away and, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff. I mean, it, it was inevitable. And I was really upset about it thinking, okay, I mean, 
Lewis was going to get him even if he passed him the, like I say but I mean it was it was almost a carbon copy and then I thought it was kind of interesting too that you know maybe a slightly well I guess it's it's fairly similar if you look at all the incidents last week in uh, Saudi Arabia going into that uh, turn one and two combo again uh, a left and a hard right again very similar corner maybe not as tight maybe not as compact as uh, turn seven and I guess turn eight at uh, Yas Marina but uh, that's where Max did kind of a couple of uh, those off-track uh, shenanigans, and he gave the position back, and Lewis didn't. But I mean, like you say, I mean, they do have access to the the telemetries. Um, they would have known what that delta was, and, and and obviously they were satisfied with it. However. I think just from the point of total transparency, I think that the best way they could have handled it was that they said, you know, the the, the report from the stewards is, you know, incident noticed, uh, no investigation necessary, or what whatever it is. That to me would have been the correct way to go. It's frustrating because I have tried to explain to to listeners throughout the course of this year, what is and isn't permissible in an overtake, whether it's a left-handed turn, a right-handed turn, whether you're trying to overtake on the inside, whether Mm -hmm. you're trying to overtake on the outside. And here we are 22 races in, and I have no idea because every single race, we just seem to see an outcome that's different. They call it one way here. They call it a different way in Jeddah. They call it one way in Brazil. They call it a different way at Silverstone. And I think a big piece of this, and I don't know that we necessarily want to get into it right now and maybe we mm-hmm. do later is the fact that we have this bizarre model of officiating in this sport where up to two of the stewards at any given event are volunteers who have often never never stewarded a formula one race before and that's where so much of this inconsistency is coming from that the fia gives them a guidebook with recommendations on how to make calls in specific circumstances but the way that they interpret this obviously varies and then i think sometimes there's external pressures that seem to seem to influence their decision but i was i was fine with the outcome but to me So in isolation, I was fine with the outcome one way or the other. I didn't think it was terrible, but whether I'm a Max fan or whether I'm a Lewis fan, I get frustrated just because I don't know what's permissible. And I think the drivers themselves must be frustrated because I don't think they know how to approach a corner or how to approach an overtake. I do believe, and I have to trust that in this case, the stewards had the telemetry from Lewis's car and they probably mm-hmm. recognized that he'd, he'd slowed considerably. I would add, like I was saying a couple of minutes ago, that during the checkered flag podcast somebody had mentioned that they felt that Lewis had slowed so much and I don't know what feed they were looking at, but they felt that he had slowed so much they thought that he was going to give the position back. Hmm, but this is lap one, turn yep. seven. We saw a little bit of contact. I think we all went into panic mode. But again, I thought that maybe this is what's going to define the outcome of the race. And ultimately, it wasn't at all. No, interesting. Okay, plenty more to unpack and talk about. Let's do so after we take a quick break here. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, 
Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Mark and Mark here breaking down the final race of the 2021 Formula One World Championship. We just got through after nearly 20 minutes into this one lap one. But um, yeah, wow. It, um, it, it was... It was something, wasn't it? That thing really happened. So the next controversial moment comes uh, a little bit uh, further into the race. When uh, Max is pitted, Lewis is pitted, Sergio Perez finds himself leading the race ahead of uh, Lewis Hamilton. And, you know, for for me, this is pretty cut and dry. I mean, again, you know, man versus man, Lewis versus Checo. No disrespect to Checo, but this, this, this is a one-sided battle, you know, <laughs> on the best of time. And the, the, the best that, that, that Sergio was going to do was just uh, going to slow Lewis up a, a little bit. So maybe for a lap, maybe two laps, which is ultimately what, uh, what, what happened. But Sergio really showing some fight back. Lewis got him. He passed him. Lewis passed him back. He passed him back another time. And, you know, Toto immediately onto race control, calling it dangerous driving, Lewis calling it dangerous driving. I didn't see it as dangerous driving. I, I thought that it was good hard racing between the two of them. I, I don't know what uh, your take is on it. Um, I, I, you know, obviously Sergio was doing everything he could to, to hold Lewis up and slow him down. And I think Max was about four and a half, maybe five second ish, um, seconds behind Lewis by the time he gets and, and clears Sergio, uh, eventually after it was about a lap and a half or two laps that deltas it down to about 2.1, 2.2 seconds. Your thoughts on that, Mark? Oh, absolutely no issue with the way that Sergio conducted himself. I, I appreciate that the interpretation from the Mercedes camp may have been that it was dirty driving. I, I think he did a phenomenal job of trying to race and, and compete and ultimately back Hamilton up to give Max some space or some time to break up that that time deficit, but I thought it was clean. I also think that prior to what we ultimately saw unravel at the end of the race, and we keep teasing it as if our <laughs> listeners don't have any clue what happened, but I also thought it was incredibly exhilarating yeah. and absolutely nerve-wracking. Nerve-wracking in the sense that, hey, maybe he does ultimately give Max the opportunity to catch up. Maybe this competitive, harsh-spirited racing is going to chew away at Lewis's tires in a way that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And then maybe there's contact between the two of them. Certainly unintentional, because I, I certainly don't think that Sergio is going to create intentional contact. But no, I thought I it was so. thrilling. And I think prior to what we saw at the end of the race, it was the most 
Well, I, I would argue that it was certainly the most entertaining part of the race outside of the the start when Lewis pipped uh, pipped Verstappen and, and had him by the first corner. I know this podcast may be a little bit of a slow burn considering all the controversy that comes to the end, but I feel that we would be doing a disservice to the intelligence of our you know our community here by just kind of maybe not setting this up correctly because after this we have a virtual safety car when what was it when it was a Liuzzi or not Liuzzi um, Giovinazzi uh, retires. And uh, they deploy the, well, the, deploy the virtual safety car. They engage the virtual safety light button and race control, and they also decrease by 40% uh, uh, percent, uh, of their lap times. But, you know, Max uses the opportunity to go in, change tires. And this was one of those kind of gutsy Red Bull maneuvers that may or may not work. You know, there, there's it was looking like it was going to be a one-stop uh, race. Max starting on the soft tires, which obviously did not work for him. Lewis starting on the mediums, and that worked well for him. But Max uh, deciding to pit again, get a fresh set of tires. And once the virtual, virtual safety car is uh, it's over and done with, that uh, VSC period is over, Max was obviously faster than Lewis. He was closing him down, but not in big huge you know chunks chunks you know maybe three tenths of a second here maybe half a second there he pulled more time out of lewis when lewis got into some traffic but you know that's that's kind of obvious and that's that's kind of a bit of a false positive i find because you know if you're trying to chase down the guy in front of you and he goes through uh, a whole bunch you know he goes through a group of three or four back markers then yeah he loses five or six seconds whatever it is two seconds whatever you know you're going to do come you're going to encounter those same group of cars a couple of laps later you're going to lose a similar amount of time so you know that i always find that those things are kind of a wash and i'm looking at the time that 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 max is taking uh, time out of lewis and i'm seeing where lewis is on the track and he's clears that uh, that drs train I think I think Ricardo was in there. I think it was the Alpines, whoever it was. And then I'm looking at the time or the the amount of laps left. I'm just like, yeah, no, it it, it was worth it. But you know, Mercedes is faster. Lewis is faster. There's no way that Max is going to start you know pulling big chunks of time out of him. He you know he did he was faster when these tires were fresh, and it, it just hasn't worked out as well. He's not taking out a second and a half or two seconds out of lap uh, that that he needs to to really close Lewis down, and then hope that you get to within a couple laps of the end of the race, you got the fresher rubber, and then try and pass him there but now you come to the big the the, the big moment uh, Nick Latifi puts it into the wall they deploy the safety car with a couple of laps left and 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 then what happens Red Bull does what they always do they're really spot on these things they pull Max into the pits well nobody knows what the hell is going on uh, and, and then they form up behind the safety car and then they do a couple laps behind the safety car, and then a couple of things start to un, you know start to unfold. And my first my my first reaction to it was, oh God, don't tell me Lewis is going to win this race behind a safety car and win the championship. You know, regardless if it was Lewis and Max, I don't want to see a race finish behind the safety car. I mean, ideally, they would have red flagged the race and maybe stopped, but I don't know if there was enough time to do that and then restart the race with the amount of laps that they had left. And then, you know, then they say that they're going to go ra racing again. The the safety car is going to come in whenever, but the, the, un the, the, the lap cars, which was about five guys between Lewis and Max, who are one, two on the track, and Lewis did not go in. They missed that opportunity to put uh, clean or sorry, fresh tires on he's got uh hard tires on that are what 30 laps old at this point yeah. max has got soft, soft uh soft tires on 
And then it comes up to scenario two. I'm like, okay, you've got your seven-time world champion, your, you know, quote-unquote golden boy of Formula One, the guy that, uh, you know, is looking to set the all-time record and become the undisputed GOAT with eight chips, right? I'm just saying, this is an ultimate bad look for the sport. If Lewis goes on, they go racing again, and the guy that, uh, that, that that's challenging for him, his main rival, can't try and at least try and pass them in the last lap here or two laps, however many laps they get to tend to race because there's five cars in between them that are in reality in the race order, a country mile behind them. And, you know, then all of a sudden they say the unlapped uh, cars can pass the safety cars coming in. And then it sets up for this one lap showdown between Lewis and Max and Lewis on the, the, you know, the, these ancient tires, Max on these fresh tires of a softer compound. All it took was that, that, that one maneuver. And, you know, Lewis was doing everything to fight back. Max uh, kind of, you know, weaving and defending and did enough to, to, to hold Lewis up. But I mean, let, let's, this is real talk right here. Okay. As soon as Nikki hit the wall, there was going to be an unfavorable outcome for one of those two guys. It was either going to be Lewis or going to be Max, just for those those three different scenarios. One of those two guys was going to win the championship behind the safety car, if that's what they did, if they toured around. Or Lewis was going to win that championship because, you know, the, the unlapped cars between him and Max, you know, were just going to be too much of, a, you know, too many mobile roadblocks to prevent him from even challenging Lewis. Or it was going to come down to a one-lap shootout between the two of them, winner takes all, and 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 that's that that's what happened, right? And I I don't know, yeah, I don't really know what else to say that other than that it's it, it was yes, it was exciting, and yes, I can see why you know Lewis's fans and Lewis and Mercedes are going to be upset. I mean, if it was um if they didn't let those unlapped uh, cars pass. Red Bull would be screaming bloody murder about the procedure about it all. They would probably be protesting and appealing protests and all that because they didn't get a clean shot to attack Lewis for a couple of laps there at the end. It was just, it was, you know, it, it was, it's just the way that, that, that it happened. And there was no good out there. There was going to be no good outcome for everybody in this situation. And, and that's just the reality. But there could have been a better outcome. And okay, lay it lay it on me. I'd, I'd love to hear it. You know, no, I've and, been and over this so many everybody times. listening at home, we haven't talked. We yep. we literally just jumped on this podcast today and, and went right at it, which is our normal strategy. We we don't yep. come in scripted. We don't share our opinions. We just come in and have an honest, kind of free flowing conversation. Here here's the deal. You are absolutely right that the outcome was not necessarily going to be favorable for other drivers. And I should add as well, and maybe I should have hit this off the top, that as terrible as the outcome was in terms of the way the race concluded, mm -hmm. it was inevitable almost that that's the way the race was going to end, that that's how this championship was going to be decided, that if you reflect back on the 22 races over 10 months in 19 different countries yep. with all of the different outcomes we've seen, we've had controversy and we've had excitement and disappointment and anger and frustration. This has been an exhausting championship for so many reasons. And it was just almost inevitable that this is the way it was going to end, that we couldn't have a clean conclusion and that we could walk away saying, hey, this driver put in everything and we had a great outcome, a great race, a clean race that yeah. wasn't shaded by contact. It wasn't shaded by, uh, I would say, um, militant race strategy. It wasn't shaded by 
awful officiating, but that's not what ultimately happened. And as soon as Nikki's car hit the wall, my stomach sunk. And not because I was cheering for Max and not necessarily because I was cheering for Lewis, but rather because I was beginning to sense some relief with 20 laps left that we're going to have a clean, conclusive outcome to the season finale that we've put T7 behind us, Red Bull made peace with it, we've all moved on. And even if you listen to the radio conversations between Max and the Red Bull pit wall, you could hear that they had resigned themselves and they were accepting the fact that Mercedes was going to take the double. They were going to win the constructors. Lewis was going to win the championship. And it's funny because my wife and I are sitting there watching it and we're getting ready. We're like, hey, I wonder how quickly Mercedes is going to have the championship merch up on their website. What is the Lewis championship merchandise going to look like? And then as soon as Nikki hits the wall, the first thing you look at is how many laps are left? Because the question is, how long is it going to take the marshals to get that car, get it off the track? clean up the debris, inspect the barriers, and make sure that we're ready for racing. And we've Mm -hmm. got five laps. So you're thinking, you know what? We're probably not going to see any more racing. But that's fine because at that point, the outcome wasn't in dispute. There was no circumstance. There was no unrealistic circumstance that Max was going to catch him. Now, he could have. Hamilton could have had a tire failure. You know, there's things that could have happened. But I think most of us had accepted the fact that the outcome was going to be Lewis winning championship number eight. Now, they said it, and Christian Horner said it. They needed a miracle. And Mm -hmm. boy, did they get their miracle. And first of all, Kudos to the track marshal because marshals, because they cleared Latifi's car and cleared the track in what felt like record time. But here's where I get frustrated. And I get frustrated because obviously the race director, Michael Massey in this case, who wears 500 different hats and is probably overworked. And I don't (laughs) want to make this personal. We talk a lot about mental health. I'm not here gunning for people and gunning for people's jobs. I think he's under incredible pressure. I think it's appalling that the team principals are able to radio to him during the race and scream at him about decisions he ultimately doesn't make. Because let's be honest, more often than not, he's simply a messenger between the stewards and the team principals because the stewards are the ones that are typically officiating. Now, in this case, it's a little bit different because he has complete control over the safety car so there's a little bit of a disconnect between that and a lot of the other officiating that goes on but my frustration is this they made it clear and i'm talking about the fia michael massey the stewards they made it very clear initially that they weren't going to let the lapped cars unlap themselves and you could yep. actually hear the radio commentary between Max's team and Max, and they spoke to the fact that, well, of course, that's not going to happen. And then, all of a sudden, they made the decision that they were going to allow it to happen. And so at that point, though, I'm, I'm looking at the number of laps left. I'm thinking, well, by the time they get all the cars unlapped, which is quite a process, the yep. race is going to be over anyways. And then the quote-unquote chosen few The five cars that happen to be coincidentally between Lewis and Max are allowed to unlap themselves, and then the race resumes. And I have never, ever in a million years seen that. And I can't, what I can't process is why that happened. And I get 100% that Michael Massey can make that call. It's within his discretion. The fact that Mercedes is going to appeal this in court is not going to be successful because he partially executed on the rule 48.12 in the sporting regulations. It's not going to be successful. But the fact that this is how the outcome was framed up, I don't think, not for a second, do I believe that 
the FIA, that Michael Massey had an agenda here to make Max Verstappen the world champion. But the optics are, by only enabling the five cars that happened to be between the two of them to unlap themselves, they set up, like you said, a one-lap showdown between a lame duck and Lewis because his hard tires, his C3s were 30 laps old versus Max, who's on absolutely fresh, super hot softs that just came out of a tire blanket. That was, a, that was a lame duck outcome, and it was predetermined automatically that no matter what Lewis did, he was never going to win. He had a choice. He had a choice that he's going to race Max dangerously hard, create contact, DNF, and even if Max DNFs, Max is going to win the title, or he's going to race hard, Max is going to overtake him and win the championship, and that's exactly what happened. So for me, obviously, people know I'm a Lewis fan, but I wouldn't have wanted Lewis to win under these circumstances, and mm-hmm. I... To be honest, I actually felt a little bit bad for Max because Max is a deserving champion. He was a phenom this year. You look at his results. He won 10 races this year. He's only won 12, I should say. He's only won 20 in his (laughs) career, but he's won 20 races. He won 10 this year. His results were absolutely fantastic. So let me just pull up the stats here. So this year, Max, 10 race wins, 18 podiums. He finished second to Lewis seven times, and he scored 10 poles, 10 of the 13 he has in his career. This was a blockbuster season. He deserves his flower. He deserves his chip. He doesn't deserve to win the championship under this controversy that said we should never have been in a position where this happened because what the FIA should have done is rather than stalling and stalling and stalling and Mm -hmm. waiting and waiting and waiting and then yes absolutely we're going to unlap but we're only going to unlap five because if we unlap anymore we're not going to have enough time to do a full racing green flagged lap they should have done it earlier like to me, it was just misjudgment and it was dithering by the <clears throat> FIA and the stewards. And I don't want to make this personal towards any specific person, but the outcome is ultimately shaded. And fortunately, yeah. Max did everything in his power to win the championship. He was awesome during qualifying. He was great during the race. He deserves this championship. He shouldn't have had to win it under these circumstances, but these circumstances never should have arisen because they should have announced earlier whether they were going to allow the cars to unlap themselves. Mm-hmm. And if they were, they should have done it in advance. And if they were able to do it in enough time, then you're going to create that showdown anyways but it's a clean showdown max is going to win it done deal he's the championship or they allow the cars to unlap themselves and there isn't enough time to have a green flag final lap and lewis wins and everybody's happy because at least you have a conclusive outcome and the rules were followed that my friend is where people are frustrated yeah totally uh, i've got some thoughts on that we'll take a quick break and we'll come back on the flip side we'll talk about it a little bit more so don't go away we'll be right back and announce a contest we're running another contest okay well we'll do that first right on the flip side hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, well, welcome back to the show. And as promised, we are still going to talk about the season decider. But uh, first, Mark, you want to announce our latest contest. How come everybody gets all the good stuff? I'm not getting any free swag coming my way, but whatever. 
I guess uh, I, I guess we have kind of a privileged position when doing what we do anyway. So I, I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't be too jealous and envious of all, all the lucky people out there in the community. They get all this uh, get all this good stuff. I did notice that my wife won, or not didn't win, but my wife entered the most recent contest. So I promise you, if she does win, we will instantly redraw. There are no shenanigans ongoing here. So to follow up on our last couple of contests, which were very successful, we absolutely appreciate all the support and everybody that was joined. Uh, if you don't remember, we did a poster contest to kick off November. We just concluded our race weekend contest last week. So we were extremely excited to award somebody, one of our listeners, a one-year subscription for issues of the Race Weekend magazine. Right now, we are doing a contest with David Tires, who is a phenomenal artist who does some absolutely astoundingly creative Formula One art. He is offering up a choice of one of two prints. So the winner of this contest is going to get the choice of a Max Verstappen or a Lewis Hamilton print. And we will be announcing the winner on the 24th on Twitter. So if you haven't entered the contest, please do go seek out the post. I have been absolutely spamming our feed with the details <laughs> about this contest. You and I are both super excited. We've been invited to go and check out David's studio. He actually lives coincidentally, probably not more than 15 or 20 minutes away from the community that we're in. He is British. He has settled in Canada where he set up his studio and he does his fantastic work. I know because they've been sending them to us, but I know a whole slew of our listeners have actually contributed and purchased work from him and it looks phenomenal hanging on their wall. So again, if you haven't checked it out, please do. We will absolutely continue to repost the contest details over the course of the next week and like i said we will be drawing the winner on december 24th on christmas eve and announcing it on twitter awesome yeah now, david lives in maple ridge bc which is my hometown so it'll be kind of cool to go and check out the old hood and go uh, pay david a uh, a visit really looking forward to meeting him in person so okay i want to go back to that uh I I've thought about this a lot and I'm I'd say about like 99% in agreement with everything that uh, that you outlined uh, before the break. So I was thinking what was their thought process potentially in the way that they did things at the end there? And and that's why I came down on those uh, three scenarios. Either you finish behind the safety car, either you red flag it or you have this uh, situation where you had Max and Lewis uh, you know, one, two in the running order, but then you have like five, half a dozen cars between them that are unlapped or they're, they're the, the, the back markers that weren't allowed initially to unlap themselves that were going to get in the way. And I'm thinking, barring, you know, some call from their deep state handler who told them, okay, we'll do this because, well, okay, no, no conspiracy theories here. We already decided upon that. But um, I think that they started thinking about things like that. Well, we don't want to finish behind the safety car. That doesn't look good, you know, but like you say, it would have been, there would be no, there would be controversy in this. That's not and the great happens. way to finish. It happens. It happens. And but there's precedence. There is. And they could say, okay, well, he was going to win the race anyways, barring some catastrophic failure which seems unlikely, but then we would be having the, con the, the conversation, oh, it wasn't a great way to finish a, a race and decide a season, but it wouldn't have been so much a season decider because Max was, what, 12 seconds behind at that time? So then I think they came across this others. The second scenario, okay, well, you have Lewis here. We have a safety car. Max is only whatever. They're within sight of each other, but you have these half dozen, five, whatever it is, or, uh, these back markers between them. 
And either we finish behind the safety car or we get them racing. And I think they decided, let's not finish behind the safety car. Let's get them racing. And then they go through this whole thing. Well, what happens with the unlapped cars? You know, do we keep them where they are? Do they unlap themselves? And then I think they got, I I think they just got a little bit too caught up. We want the drama. We want that one lap shootout between Lewis and Max. And I think maybe, you know, well, I mean, depending on your point of view, it's either rightly or wrongly. You know, rightly, if you're a Max fan, wrongly, if you're a Lewis fan, that was the decision that they made. They decided that they wanted the drama. They wanted that one or two lap shootout between these two guys as a way to settle this epic season, to to, to settle this epic battle. And I think rather than, I, I think maybe they thought that was the cleanest way to settle it in the spur of the moment, but obviously it was anything but the cleanest way to do it. It turned out to be... Super messy because uh, Mercedes, you know, immediately files two protests. Number one, because uh, Max was, uh, you know, the, the first one complaint was that he passed Lewis under the safety car. And then the second was just the, the procedural situation with restarting the race. Now, I, I think we have to give a bit of context because the the, the one with the safety car passing on the safety car, there, there was obviously shenanigans going on there with Lewis. He was trying, I think, you know, he's going kind of hot and cold on the, the acceleration and the braking, trying to force Max into that position where they could raise that issue with the race control. Hey, he passed me under, you know, and, uh, you know, we're, we're under a safety car here. So I think there was some some mind games going on there. But, you know, very much like last week in, in, in Saudi Arabia, when, you know, there was a safety car there and Lewis was more than a 10 car lengths behind and nothing happened. So that one was immediately, yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, there's been shenanigans on both sides all season long. So it's not just confined to one team or the other, one driver or the other. In my opinion, they've been doing both, both of it, excuse me, all season long. And then, yeah, I mean, the second one was just the, 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 the procedural issue with the, uh, the, the restart of the race which was denied, which they've announced that they are going to appeal. But like you say, it will most likely be thrown out. And gosh, you know, as, as soon as I saw the appeal up of it, as unlikely as it seems to be that it will succeed, I was thinking, well, it's already a mess as it is, right? R- regardless of where, where the situation is, it already is a mess right now. But could you imagine like if this thing w- would actually get overturned? Maybe it will. It seems unlikely. So I'm going with the the idea that it won't. But I mean, it's like reversing the outcome of the Super Bowl for a controversial call like three or four days later. I mean, it just, I mean, I, I just can't see it happening. I mean, I, I think that's the, the worse, you know, the, the better of of you know a, an undesirable outcome probably for formula 1 just to, in terms of optics and the way that this race and this championship uh, finished is that you know they, they just deal with it is right now because if we're we're to get overturned and then lewis becomes the the uh, you know the champion down the road that's even worse look and i think that they l- lose even more credibility with with people than perhaps now right i i i totally agree and i i just want to add a couple of things to what you're saying y- you kept you kept referring to they, 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 when you were talking about the decision-making related to the outcome of the race. And I've been thinking that a lot today as well. In fact, I was listening to the mixed ape, the mist. Oh my gosh. You know, just so you know, I've been up since 2 a.m. because I was so excited for the race and here on the Pacific (laughs) coast, the race was at 5 a.m. Pacific standard time. So it's been a long day, but I was listening to the mist apex podcast today. And one of the points that they were making was, one, Michael Massey's under enormous pressure. And sure. I, I have to wonder what pressure he was under 
when it came to dictating the outcome, because it could very well be that Michael Massey had made the decision that the race was going to finish effectively behind a safety car, because his perspective, his opinion could have been, hey, look, the reality is we're either going to do it behind the safety car because we're going to unlap all of the cars because that's the regulation, because that's the way it is, or we're not going to allow the cars to unlap themselves and that there could have been competing or commercial interests or pressures that are on him that we'll never know about that dictated that, hey, look, you know what, even though we know that there isn't enough time to unlap all the cars, unlap as many as you can, which coincidentally just happened to be the ones between Max and Lewis and get this race started because we as the commercial right holders or the commercial interest or the networks, and we'll never know, mm-hmm. we don't want to see the championship decided behind a behind a safety car. And again, I would have been fine with that because I think the outcome of the race had already been decided. And I think people had acknowledged that. And I think people were relieved. And I think people had accepted that. It was just the what appears to be, what appears to be manipulation. Again, there's no grand conspiracy. And if there is, it's certainly not within Michael Massey and the FIA. I think they always have the best interests of the sport in mind. And sometimes their decisions are a little bit dithering. They're inconsistent, but yeah. there's no malicious intent there. And I think they do a great job with Formula One from a safety perspective. But I think there was potentially some unknown pressures on Massey that he went from, we're not going to allow the cars to unlap themselves to, we're going to allow the cars to unlap themselves, but we don't have enough time to allow all of them to unlap themselves if we want to get in a hot lap, a green flagged lap. So that that's kind of my perspective there. The other thing I want to comment on as well is I don't think that these appeals are going to go anywhere. In fact, I think they're very dangerous and problematic for the sport because One of the things that I heard overwhelmingly from our Gen DTS followers today, especially those in North America, which was WTF, I'm not coming back to this. What type of BS is this? How can you change the field goals? How can you change the rules in the dying seconds of a championship game? This is like the Super Bowl and changing yardage rules, or this is like asking a team that's in the lead to take a defenseman off the ice with two minutes left in overtime. You can't change the rules on the fly. And of course, Michael Massey has massive discretionary powers. And again, I think that's why the appeals are going to fail. But the other problem is one, you're potentially alienating new fans by the interpretation and the application of these rules. But the other thing too is, it looks like total garbage when you have teams now filing petitions in appeals in the court of law. This is something that we in North America don't understand. This would be the Montreal Canadiens or the Dallas Cowboys protesting or appealing against a ruling in overtime in the court of law. Look, Mm -hmm. we're going to take this to the district attorney. We're going to take this to the Supreme Court. This is a terrible, terrible look. And Formula One needs to get to a place where this can't happen. And the way you get there is because, or the way you get there is by having a cleaner or more consistent application of the rules. And that's not going to be possible until we get to a world where we have a permanent group of fully paid stewards. This nonsense of having two unpaid volunteer stewards at every single race has to end. And it can't live in a world where Michael Massey has to function as the race director, the safety delegate, the permanent starter, the head of the F1 technical department. He's got 15 hats on. It's unfair to him. It's unfair to the sport. And given the fact that Formula One is a multi-billion dollar enterprise, 
funnel some more money into the FIA. And the other point I'll add as well, that people are frustrated with the FIA. And, and I get it because of the perceived inconsistency of the application of the rules throughout this campaign, especially given the fact that more people are watching Formula One than ever before. It's got this global spotlight that it's never had before. Mm-hmm. Dumping the FIA isn't the way. It would take decades for Formula One for Liberty to build up the level of expertise that already lives within the FIA. What we do need is a significant rework of the way that the sport is officiated, and that's permanent stewards, and it's re-looking at the responsibilities of Michael Massey, because on the one hand, he's the one responsible for the safety in the sport, but he's also the one responsible for the competitive element of the sport and the officiating of the sport, you need to find a way to decouple these two things and have those two people report into somebody. So I I feel bad for Michael Massey. I can't imagine the pressure that he's under right now. And I can't imagine what kind of pressure he was under and the type of phone calls he was taking because we hear the phone calls between him and the team principals. We're not hearing the phone calls between him and the front office at Liberty. Yeah, and, and I think ultimately that uh, that's what it came down to. I I, I think that uh, you know, the 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 dithering, as you so rightly put it, came down to the discussions behind the scenes, whoever they were. I'm using the inverted co- comments or commas for they. I think that they just got greedy. They wanted that uh, you know th- that 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 one lap shootout, uh, and it's just kind of blown up in their 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 face. Now, I mean, exactly. There's, some, there, there's exactly. some interesting comments in the live chat. Uh, let's pull a couple out uh, here. Uh, so Craig Day says, "I feel gutted. I love the season. Would have been happy to see either Lewis or Max win if they were the best on the day. But the best driver of the day did not win, and that's just wrong. The sport is broken." Uh, Rocky uh, says, "What on?" Or would you have winning the title on a legal technicality? That's an interesting uh, take. Uh, you know, and it's just, yeah, it's like I say, I think they went for the the, the storybook kind of like, uh, you know, dramatic ending and, well, you know, they made their bed and now they have to lie in it. And I mean, maybe the best way was to to, to finish it behind the the, the the safety car. And then the, the, the conversation we're having is, yeah, well, the race was a bit uh, anticlimactic, but maybe that was the, uh, you know, maybe that's not the best way to finish a, a race in, in similar situations. But, you know, like I say, as soon as Nikki hit the wall, that there, there was going to be uh, you know, a, a bad outcome for one of those two guys, one way or another. And just the way that the, the you know, and, and I still thought that even when Nikki hit the wall, that that was still Lewis's race. I still thought that was Lewis's championship. I did not foresee a situation, even with a couple of laps left, that, 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 that things would turn Max's way. And I was, um, <laughs> I think we all were completely stunned by the way that, uh, that, that it flipped upside down after that. I mean, nobody saw that coming. Nobody. Red Bull needed a miracle and they absolutely got the miracle. And again, I don't want to take anything away from Max. I think over the course of 22 races this season, he was an absolute stud. He won 11 races. He took 10 poles. He had 18 podiums. He was phenomenal and he deserves the championship, but he doesn't deserve to win it like this. And at the same time, I still think Max or Lewis was the best driver of this race and he was in a position to win it if not not only for the crash and let's be very clear we will not accept 
any slander of Nicholas Latifi here. No. Because no. he's a Canadian driver. He was Regardless. racing hard. He was trying to pass Mick Schumacher. That is exactly what we want of every single racer, every single race. And to those of us, you on Twitter, and it's none of our followers, thankfully, but for those people on Twitter that were slamming him for making the decision to overtake Mick, look, at the end of the day, they are fighting for position. He is a world-class Formula One driver. And for all we know, he was being coached into doing that by his team and his engineer and the pit wall. So let's let let's leave Nicholas out of this. He was doing what he should be doing, which is racing a Formula One car. And I am sure he feels terrible. And I think he's going to wake up tomorrow and feel like total garbage. But this isn't Nicholas Latifi's fault. Crashes happen in Formula One. It's it racing. was the way the rules were applied after that moment. And again, I don't want to take anything away from Max. He deserved to win. Ultimately, I wish he'd won without the controversy because he deserved that. But ultimately, my frame of mind with five laps left was, hey, we should probably check out some of the Mercedes merch to see what it's <laughs> going to look like. Yeah, no kidding, right? Um, you know, another comment from Huffles Puffle in the live chat, finishing last three laps behind a safety car would have been nothing after this season. And uh, then uh, the, the other comment from Huffles Puffle is uh, the other com or the other thing, Max uh, totally drove a, a world driver ca a championship caliber season, but it wasn't enough for him to clinch it before the last race. And Lewis was better in the last race. Yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, any uh, totally agree. doubt about totally it. Agree. You know, it just uh, nobody saw this, but coming, but like you, you so rightly said uh, earlier in the show that that uh, that that drama that uh, it's been there all season long. I mean, uh, the the controversy's been there. I mean, even go back to the very first race of the year in Bahrain, where it came down to Max trying to pass Lewis at uh, at Sakhir, and he did so. Unfortunately for Max, he made the pass on Lewis outside of the white line, so it didn't count. And that was just one of a whole boatload of incidents between these two drivers uh, all year long and well the one thing i know for sure is lewis and max are not going to be sending each other christmas cards or christmas presents here next week but it um it was uh, something anyways uh, let's take one final break here still a couple of things to talk about don't go away we will be back in just one moment <clears throat> all right well welcome back to the podcast is always up to formula one so almost an hour into this one, Mark, and there still are a couple of things to finally touch on before we uh, we, we dim the lights and uh, go back to our regular lives. So we're not done with this, uh, the, the show, obviously. Uh, I, I think you mentioned it uh, on the weekly show last week that uh, we, we might not be doing two shows a week over the next uh, couple of months, but we will be here every week uh, between now and the start of next season. So... For those of you who still want to get your F1 fix and still want to come and check out what we're doing, just keep following us and checking your feeds and uh, we'll, you'll still be able to find us. So that's uh, hopefully a good thing. <laughs> it's good for us. I hope it's good for them as well. Hey, can I, can I just add something real quick? I, I know we want to get through some thoughts here, but when Carlos Sainz stepped onto the podium, I was befuddled. I I was so intensely focused on the two front two drivers, the Max and Lewis battle. I had no idea that Carlos had scored a podium. No, same, and then I same. was even more shocked later that morning when Charlie, one of our, our phenomenal community members, had posted something about Yuki finishing fourth. I had no idea he was <laughs> in the top 10, let alone was finishing fourth place. So, Oh, dude, same. Oh, man. Yeah, it was... It was 
again, I, I really like the way that you you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast a sense of relief. Like I feel such a sense of relief. The championship is over. As exciting as it was, as as anxiety ridden as it was, as controversial as it was, I'm glad it's over. And we can start talking about some lighter subjects like Volkswagen potentially entering the sport and our predictions for 2022. And like you said, we've got a ton of really fun stuff lined up for the off season because we can do things in the off season that we wouldn't normally do during the season. And I think a lot of the feedback that we get from our listeners is thank you for continuing to create content throughout the off season. And I promise you, we've got some fantastic stuff lined up. But all of that said, other things happened this race weekend, and I'll quickly run through them because I know we maybe want to touch them, but Before Mazepan do, didn't race. I'm going to make oh, a please. comment, and I don't know if this is one of these comments too soon. I mean, Team LH is probably going to come for me after this, but you know, who knows? Potentially, this was Lewis's last shot to win a world championship, right? So now I'm wondering... I'm coming did- for you. <laughs> and, uh, of course, people can't see this, but I'm holding up an actual literal Lewis Hamilton helmet. So Here Team LH is coming. I I'll just, leave with I, the pitchforks. I, I couldn't help it. And, and I'm not trying to be facetious or condescending about this uh, one, but I, I'm just, uh, I, I can't help but, but wonder, you know, was this, you know, is this potentially Lewis's last legit shot to win a chip? And if so, does his last chance to win a chip end on a similar note that he won his first chip by snatching it out of the hands of Felipe Massa back at Brazil all those years ago when when poor old Felipe was world champion for like, what, half a lap or something like that until Lewis pulled off the un- unimaginable and did what he needed to do the, to win his first world, champ- or world driver's championship uh, way back in 2008 or whatever it was. I, I just, I couldn't help uh, thinking that. I mean, I, I could make the real dick comment and say, well, did Felipe text, you know, Lewis after the race and bro, you know, I'm here, you know, if you want to talk, but I, I, I just couldn't help but but think that, you know, th- there there is some, it's an interesting kind of rabbit hole to go down that that that's, he, he kind of had the championship snapped away from him in, not in similar circumstances, but on a last lap incident, very much the way that he won his first championship. Yeah, I'm less interested in touching that subject, although I think there's some validity to it. But I think you do raise a really great point, which is we don't know if Lewis is going to have another shot. And and there's a couple of reasons for that. That's what makes next year so fascinating, right? The first is that Lewis is in his mid-30s. He's on the wrong side of 30. He continues to demonstrate that he's amongst the best motorsports athletes on the planet. But you hint at it, next year, the formula changes. We know the power units are frozen. We know they're going to carry over. We have absolutely no idea what Mercedes is brewing at Brackley. We have no idea what Aston Martin is brewing at Silverstone. We have no idea what Red Bull is brewing at Milton Keynes. The reality is we have no understanding of what's going to happen next year. The one thing that I think we could probably both agree on is that there will be a team that surprises us. Maybe it's Aston Martin, maybe it's McLaren, maybe it's Ferrari, but I think we'll see significantly more parity next year. I don't think we're going to see what we saw in 2014. So for those of you that don't know, the last time we entered into a new era of formula was going from 2013 into 14 when we switched from the V8s to the super complex turbo hybrids. And the reason 
that Mercedes has had so much dominance in this era is that they nailed that engine formula out of the gate and it took the other teams a few years to catch up. What That's we're right. seeing now is a new era where, well, we're going to carry over the power units, but everything else about the car is changing. So there could be a team, a team that surprises all of us. And the reality is going into next year, Mercedes doesn't have that built-in advantage. Sure, they've got that power unit, but I think the intention of the new era of Formula One is that the arrow of the cars will be far less influential and the power unit. So we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know if Mercedes is going to be competitive in the way that they have been since 2014. So your point about, hey, was this the end of an era? Was this Lewis's last chance? Very well could be. And and that's sad because we're so used to seeing him at the highest levels of the sport. But the reality is he may never have another shot. Yeah, it, it was just one of those things that uh, that 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 popped into my mind. Uh, you know, sitting him, they're seeing Lewis sitting in the car at, at the you know at park at the end of the race there, and you could just uh, I mean I, I can't imagine what was going through his mind at that moment, but that was the first thing that sort of popped into my mind was is Lewis having that conversation right now, thinking was was this my last shot at winning a chip and in you know eclipsing Schumacher as the the undisputed goat, right and, and and that's something, but just uh, one of the uh, the other comments in the live chat. Tra- chat Ray and SD says it'll be good to take a break from F one. The season is tainted, and hopefully, twenty twenty two will be better with Ferrari and McLaren rising above that energy drink <laughs> company. So obviously, Ray was to you know was on Team LH, and uh, but I mean the Ferrari and uh, McLaren story is uh, certainly interesting and. You know, I, I totally agree with you. I think going into 2022, somebody is going to come out of the, the the woodwork. Somebody is going to surprise us. And I, I just uh, don't know who that will be. And and somebody will really, really disappoint. <laughs> that That's that's just uh, an inevitable, uh, you know, <laughs> twist to this whole story. But it, I mean, the, the, the big names, of course, I mean, everybody's going to want to see that remate, uh, rematch between Lewis and Max and see if uh, they can, uh, you know, if, if Lewis can right that wrong and 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 win it next year but um yeah there, there, there are more questions than answers at the moment yeah i i would add only that we should probably mark and pour one out for the current car i think what we've seen especially the last two or three years is possibly the peak of formula one technology and capability and again if you lift the restrictions and if you lift the formula and you allow these teams to spend freely i don't even know what they could come up with but the cars that we've seen the last couple of years have been not only the fastest in the history of the sport but also the safest so what we know next year is the cars are going to be dramatically more simplified Mm -hmm. we're going to see some big changes 18 inch wheels over wheel winglets wheel covers no more barge boards simplified front wing underbody ground effects they're going to be very very different but we expect them to be slower and it's in the spirit of competitive balance. So definitely pour one out for this current generation of cars, because at least for now, Formula One has reached its peak, its crescendo, and now we're going to go on a downward slope in the spirit of creating competitive balance. But a couple of other thoughts, and I'll let you speak to these. Mazepan out due to COVID protocols. Don't care. Kimi's (laughs) last race He put in a phenomenal career, 348 starts, almost 1,900 career points, 103 podiums, 21 wins, and a World Drivers' Championship in 2007. 
Giro Venazzi's last race, George's last race before his move to Mercedes, and Bottas's last race before his move to Alfa Romeo. Anything there you want to touch on? I see you reaching for the light switch. That's why I <laughs> summarize some I'm, of these I'm points. leaning here to start to shutting things off. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the Mazepin story, testing positive for, for COVID, has running one car, that's uh, a bit of a footnote that I don't I don't think anybody's really interested in in the, in the broader context of the, this uh, weekend. Kimmy, yeah, sad to see the Iceman finally going. I mean, we probably won't see him in Formula One in any capacity. I just don't think that he has any interest in that uh, moving forward. Uh, for, for me, I think Kimmy hung on probably a couple of seasons uh, too long. I mean, even, agree. E- even Ferrari, second era for... Ferrari, um, uh, Kimmy with that uh, partnership with, with with Vettel. And I think that's why maybe there's a little bit more gloss on Seb's Ferrari career is that he was just, you know, Kimmy couldn't push him. And and Seb, you know, regardless how he stacked up against the other drivers in the field was just that little bit uh, quicker naturally than, than, than Kimmy was and uh, was able to win some races here and there and, and, and pushed Lewis for a championship at least halfway through 2018 through 50, 60% of the season until the wheels fell off uh, that uh, that bid that year but uh, he was um, you know Kimmy just I, I don't think was you know had it at that point to really even you know offer up uh, a stern challenge to, to Seb and I guess my, my last uh, my last big moment thinking back on Kimmy's uh, career would be winning at Coda a couple of years ago and what was that 18 2018 19? yeah 2018 will be the last sort of real moment uh, of note but I mean I remember when he came into the sport almost 20 years ago I mean is this hot young driver I mean he he was an exciting guy to watch and the fact that uh, he literally had ice running through his veins uh, made him a bit of a cult hero and the, that sort of you know I don't give a damn attitude I think uh, you know I mean he was just he I think he was true to himself and I, I don't think he re- really ever got uh, swallowed up uh, by the hype and you know <laughs> he was kind of uh, you know an, an anti-hero to a, a certain extent because he just didn't really seem to care one way or another. I love that photo yeah. of him leaving the track tonight. I, I don't know if you saw it tweeted, but basically within seconds of exiting his car, he was with his family, leaving the paddock. And I don't know that we'll ever see him at a Formula One track again. Yeah. And certainly he will never be joining a TV panel or stewarding a race. He can now... uh Head into the depths of the Scandinavian, the Northern European wilderness and uh, spend the rest of his life with his family, which I think is what's most important to him now. But I do agree with your comments as well that I think these last two years with Alfa Romeo were unnecessary. And I think it was very, very, very much motivated by Ferrari. And I think maybe a little bit from the commercial interests of Alfa Romeo, it's always good from a marketing perspective when you're selling sponsorships to have a former champion on your team. But there's just so much talent at the Formula 2 level and Formula E and Indy. There's so much talent that having a 40-year-old driver who's borderline disinterested or saying that they're doing this as a hobby is not necessary. So sad as it is to see him leave, I I think we we saw the last couple of years were his Michael Jordan, Washington Wizards years. um, And I think it's great that we're going to be able to open that seat up for somebody else. Yeah, totally. I mean, when you look at guys like Nick DeFries and Oscar Piastri, not even getting a look, getting like maybe a brief look, but ultimately not being able to land a seat in Formula One. I mean, Guan Yu Zhou, I mean, he's obviously going to be in Formula One uh, next year at Alpha alongside uh, Valtteri That's one of the stories I'm looking at, Um, you know, as much as, you know, Valtteri has been the source of some jest and some, you know, 
you know, comments from us uh, throughout the year. I mean, he is a good Formula One driver, and uh, I'm I'm excited to see where Alpha would go in this uh, new era. I mean, he's very, very capable. He's going to bring a ton of experience, a ton of knowledge over from his days at uh, at uh, at Mercedes, and obviously, I think he was good during his time at uh, at Williams as well. So that's a big win for them. Looking forward to seeing what George will do at uh, at Mercedes, partner beside uh, Lewis Hamilton. I think that's just a beast pairing. Uh, with, with Lewis and George, you know, the, uh, the the seven-time world champion and, you know, the the heir apparent, you know, the, perhaps the next big, big thing and perhaps maybe the next uh, British world champion if uh, if things go George's way. I mean, it looked like uh, he was going to be that one sort of class of drivers along Lando and Carlos that just wasn't going to get that opportunity to drive for a big team. And uh, certainly things uh, worked out uh, well, uh, at least from a career progression uh, for, for, for Georgie Russell. So excited to see where he's going to go. But most of all, I'm excited to see what these uh, new cars are, are going to be like. I'll, I'll be honest that the 14, 15, 16 cars, when we came into the hybrid era, didn't really like them a lot. I love that the tweaks that they Not introduced that in 17, I think they totally nailed agree. them. Totally agree. I think that uh, that that uh, that since 2017, that the sport's been much, much better. I think that uh, that they're leaving this, uh, th- this era behind, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what this, this new era brings. I'm glad that they had... Had uh, somebody like Ross Braun piloting and stewarding this the, this whole development, this whole project, and coming up with a set of uh, parameters for these new cars. And the other thing I'm glad is that uh, that that they do have this engine freeze in place for the next uh, several years because that just kind of takes one element out of it. And uh, as we get into this uh, cost cap uh, era, as we, we we ratchet down and tighten things up a little bit, I think that uh, that these engines are phenomenal pieces of technology. Now, I love the fact that they're starting to flex on that and you're seeing that advertising um, and and uh, they're, they're really pumping it up over the last uh, several races and I hope that they continue to do so. Love uh, the, the idea of these uh, new biofuels and the things that they're they're going to do and we'll see where it goes. I mean, we, we talked about uh, Jean Todt's comments about the electrification of Formula One and how that is just not realistic at this uh, point in time. But uh, at least from the concept uh, that that we've seen, this concept car that came out uh, about six months ago, I'm looking forward to seeing what is going to roll off at the, the the production line at Brackley, at Marinello, all these different uh, factories at, at Grove as all the different teams roll these cars out. And, and let's face it, we're going to see the new cars in two months. I mean, <laughs> it's not that far down the road, pun intended. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what number one, you know, the the fruit of all these, uh, you know, the the ten teams labors is. But I can't wait till we get to uh, Bahrain for testing. Is are we going to are we doing testing yeah. in Bahrain again this? We- we are. going back we to are. Barcelona. Yep. So going back to Sahir for uh, for for preseason testing. Can't wait to see what these cars look like and how they perform. And uh, it, there's been a lot of anticipation. It's taken many, many years to get these uh, cars out. They were delayed because of COVID. And uh, I, I guess maybe this is, you know, for, for better or worse... What happened today happened, and we're we're drawing a line underneath the championship. What, whatever happens from today forward, with these, uh, you know, the, the the legal wranglings and things like that. Hopefully, we don't have to call any lawyers onto the show, the show next week to explain what happened. Uh, but um, I, I'm just kind of glad that we're we're going to draw a line under you know through this era, and we can move on to the next one. Looking forward to all these uh, th- these new. Uh, 
new cars and all the different things we're going to see on them like you you nicely outlined there a couple of minutes ago a couple of thoughts just looking forward to next year and we thought this year was exhausting 22 races 19 countries 10 months Next year, we're going to have 23 races. In the final 13 weeks of the season, we'll have 10. And the season next year will be roughly a month shorter. So next year's season wraps up on November 20th rather than December 12th. So this year was a bit of an anomaly as we finish on the cusp of Christmas Eve here. But next year is going to be an absolute grind. And of course, if uh, Liberty has their way, we're going to stretch to a 25-race championship in the next- <laughs> I don't know if I in, can do it from then. In like, the next couple of years. And I'm so I was so glad I was so relieved to hear you say that that you felt relieved that the season was over because this was a grind and not just because I think we put in a ton of work for the podcast but I think just that it was an emotional grind and it's a big commitment I get it it's it's a two-hour event every second race weekend but when you consider the social media element and reading the articles and the clips and it becomes a bit of a grind. So on the one hand, I'm incredibly excited for next year. I'm yeah. dreading a 23 race calendar, but I'm also looking forward to the fact that we're finally going to get Japan back on the calendar. We're going to get Canada back on the calendar. We're going to get Singapore back on the calendar. We're going to get Australia back on the calendar. Yeah. And it will be the first time that we've seen any of these events in three years. And like you said, we look forward to Australia. It may not be opening the calendar next year because we're going to open with Bahrain and Saudi Arabia, but we get to see a reprofiled Albert Park to kick off uh, that section of the calendar. So lots to look forward to. All the flowers in the world. Huge congratulations to Max Verstappen for being the Formula One World Drivers Championship. I should mention as well, big praise to Honda. We probably didn't talk about them. We probably should have mentioned this earlier in the podcast. They are also exiting Formula One. Returned in 2015 after exiting during the global financial crisis, had a brutal re-entry into the sport, as has been extremely well documented with McLaren. You can Google it if you're interested, or we can talk about it on a Spaces chat. Joined up with with uh, the Red Bull group. Of course, Red Bull is going to take over their IP and continue their engine operations under the frozen formula. But uh, fantastic to see Honda Racing leave the sport on top. Yeah, that 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 is um, you know that, that is good for them. I mean, they they said that they were going to do everything they could do to help uh, Red Bull win a championship. Mercedes winning the constructors' uh, championship eight in a row. I mean, that is unprecedented, unparalleled. I I know that they they have a bitter bit a bitter taste in their mouth, and I mean, you can completely understand that. But I mean, they they should hopefully be celebrating the fact that they are at least going to be constructors a uh, championship for eight uh, seasons uh, in, in in a row that is uh, just uh, it, it is just boggles my mind the amount of work and commitment um that that goes into building a record like that is um it's 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 staggering. <laughs> I, can't, I I don't even have the words to to to, to put into it or to even to describe it. I mean, congratulations uh, to Mercedes for winning that uh, eighth record uh, consecutive or consecutive World uh, Constructors uh, Championship. But um, anyways. Dude, it is. Uh, it's getting late here, and you know I've got to go shovel my driveway. If you can believe it, it has been snowing here like crazy. I've got about a foot of snow outside. I mean, it looks great. It looks very seasonable. But I got to get out. I got to go to work in the morning, and I'm I'm going into the office. So, as much as I've enjoyed my parallel part time job slash hobby hobby slash passion and all that reality calls, and uh, we have to 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 go back to reality and. Um, 
we'll wrap it up there. But, you know, thank you all for tuning in all season long. Mark, thank you for partnering along with me. It's been an epic season. We talked about this uh, just uh, between the two of us. We've done over 100 episodes together now since we joined forces about a year ago. And, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy your, you know, doing the show with you. I appreciate your friendship. I, you know, love the insight and the passion you bring to this, uh, th- th- this project. And uh, I just love sitting down doing this with you uh, each and every week and looking forward to, to, no, not just uh, next season, but all the fun stuff that we've got uh, coming up over the next uh, couple of months. Yeah. And hopefully with time, I will start to develop the same feelings towards yourself. Not joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. As you were saying that, I started doing the math. I set myself up for that. <laughs> oh, man. No, but as you were talking, I started doing the math in my head. I'm like, well, you know what? It, we, we, it takes us typically an hour, of, an average of two hours to record a podcast yeah. plus prep time. And I'm just like, wow, this is this can become not a full-time job, but absolutely a part-time job. But it's worth it because I think the community that has rallied around the show is fantastic. And when I look at our community members on Twitter, they are the glowing example of the type of people I want to be associated with, not that, not the darker underbelly of F1 Twitter. So I, I've, I'm proud of being able to develop this bond and work with you and you giving me the opportunity to jump over to this podcast from a, a different, uh, a very different type of F1 show, but I'm also equally as proud of the, the community that's rallied around and continues to support us every single week. And hopefully, and I, I know we're probably getting off on a tangent here, but hopefully 2022 holds some really exciting things for uh, for the show and, and ultimately the community. And, and I think we're working on some exciting things that maybe we'll be able to share at some point during the first quarter of the new year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll wrap it up uh, right there. And uh, guys, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at Scuderia F1 Pod. And if you want to get to the email, we're going to have to do an email show this week. There were so many great emails over the last week. We, we got to get to them because it'd be criminal if we didn't. Anyways, emails at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's a wrap, guys. Have a great Monday. Have a great week. Um, you know, we got Christmas break coming up just around the corner. So everybody, the holidays are almost here. But uh, until then, have a great week and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.